0: Hello, and welcome back to Eldest Daughters Film Society. This week, we're going to be talking about the most amazing movie we've ever seen Everything, Everywhere,
1: All at Once. I do want to warn our listeners that both of us have cried extensively while watching this movie, both the first time we watched it several months ago and last night when we watched it again in preparation for this recording so be warned we're very emotional about it very attached to it and also it's an amazing movie but not like a comfort movie exactly it's actually very uncomfortable because it makes you dig really deep but in a great way and we're gonna get into all of that
0: yeah there's like so many life lessons packed into just two hours and 19 minutes i would argue that if you didn't cry a lot there's something deeply wrong with you but that's just (laughs) me as a crier psychopath if you don't like the same movies that we like you might be a psychopath and if you're not sobbing like a maniac you're definitely there's something wrong with you
1: or at least you're definitely not the eldest daughter in an immigrant family if you're not sobbing uncontrollably (laughs) by the end of this movie that that for sure is a fact (laughs) you know what i take back what i said earlier it is a deeply comforting movie it's just in order to get there you have to like face a lot of difficult truths and so i don't think i could watch this movie every day but you know every few months i think this is actually like a really necessary course correction i agree you mentioned this earlier i think we both watched
0: it around the same time like a few months ago and watching it now we're getting such a different experience out of the movie so i'm very excited for this to be our every few months healing
1: therapy (laughs) process (laughs) we learn something new every time there will just be like an annual episode of the eldest daughter's film society dedicated to this movie and i i frankly don't have a problem with that i'm good with that i actually think that's like the right way to
0: proceed with this podcast perfect (laughs) let's start off with a quick summary of the movie in case it's been more than three months since you've watched it (laughs) so the main character of this movie is evelyn who, along with her husband, Waymond, they are Chinese immigrants who own a struggling laundromat. They have a daughter, Joy, who's dating someone named Becky. And Evelyn's father, Gong Gong, is visiting, and they're hosting a Chinese New Year party that evening. And on top of all of this, they're also being audited by the IRS. So understandably, Evelyn is very stressed. She has a lot in her mind and desperately wants to impress her dad, who is generally very disapproving. Isn't that relatable? With this taking up her headspace, it's very clear to us as the viewers that she's neglecting her relationships with Weyman and Joy and even herself in some ways. So when they get to the IRS, Evelyn meets a version of Weyman from the Alphaverse who explains to her that she needs to help him save all the universes from someone named Jobu Tobaki, a person who experiences all the universes and everything and wants to destroy everything. And although she doesn't want to help, she says she's very busy today. (laughs) After finding out that Jobu Tobaki is Joy, her daughter, she's extremely motivated because she doesn't want her daughter to destroy everything and to destroy herself.
1: Yeah, and like you kind of explained, Evelyn's life is complicated enough without all of this multiverse (laughs) stuff happening. But I think you, you laid it out really well when you were just explaining earlier that Evelyn is a character who has these really clearly defined things she wants. Versus the things that she needs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that dichotomy?
0: Yeah, so within like the first 10 minutes of the movie or so, it's like very clear to us what Evelyn really wants. She wants to impress her dad and live up to the expectations of being a good and successful daughter. And this seems to be the root of most of her problems. The stress she puts on herself, the neglect in her other relationships, even if it's not directly related, it has this cascading effect into the other parts of her lives. Versus the needs that we clearly see is that she needs to invest in her relationships with Waymond, with Joy. She sees Waymond is very silly and naive and doesn't really show him the affection he needs. And Joy, like, she very much has passed on this trauma that she gets from her dad of disapproval. She brushes Joy off a lot when Joy keeps telling her that she wants to talk to her. And just a lack of acceptance, especially since Joy is dating a girl. And it's very clear that Evelyn is just not accepting of that, isn't very validating of that. And then also herself, like, Evelyn clearly has this yearning for another life, another, like, quote-unquote more fulfilling life where maybe she's like an actress or a singer and she has had those passions and has given it up to do the struggling laundromat which she views with a lot of disdain so yeah there's a lot going on for her like tell us more about what's going on in her brain
1: yeah I mean she is obviously like you said running the struggling laundromat and from her perspective, at least, she feels like she's doing all of that herself. Like, she has this pile in her head of, like, these, this business stuff and the IRS audit, and she feels like everyone else in her family is just, like, incompetent and not helping her. And so she's keeping track of, like, all of these details in her brain. Everything from, like, the big picture financial stuff to, like, the color of paint that they use to, like, fix this water stain in the ceiling of the yeah. laundromat. And so, even before we get into any of these like multiversal shenanigans, there is just so much going on in her brain. And it's like she's like playing all these different roles. It already feels to her like she's like splitting into a million pieces. And again, like as an immigrant woman, as a mom, like there's all these other identities that are always tugging at her. And obviously all of this is like incredibly relatable for those of us who have grown up in immigrant families and seen our immigrant moms kind of go through this struggle of like being pulled in so many different directions. And also for a lot of eldest daughters who take on that mom figure role, that feeling of like, (laughs) I have to like remember everything and know everything and handle everything. And like, how come I'm the one who is like in this position, right?
0: To add on to your point about being a Chinese immigrant, I thought the movie did a really good job of showcasing some of the struggles that come with that without making the movie about overt racism mm-hmm. because a lot of the time it's not about that, right? It's it's everything from little comments from the customers in the laundromats being like, I thought you people were good at math or like <laughs> the IRS agent Deirdre talking very slowly and being like, I thought you were going to bring your daughter to translate and also... Evelyn worrying that they're being targeted for an IRS audit because they're Chinese. There's all these little things that add up and sometimes you're not experiencing like a hate crime, but all of these microaggressions add to, like you said, your brain splitting into a million pieces.
1: That's a really good point. The movie did a really excellent job of that. And it's that same level of nuance that they bring to the individual characters, but also that whole sort of big picture situation of where Evelyn's family is at. Because these individual characters, like Evelyn, is very—we see the good parts of her, and then we also see the bad parts of her, and we see that pretty clearly, right? Like having seen the movie, having spent two and a half hours in Evelyn's brain, like what do you see as her strengths?
0: Yeah, she's she's so strong. She
1: is very smart. Like you said,
0: she knows the difference between the two white paints. Mm-hmm. She knows all the different customers. She knows which machines are out of order. There's so much going on. She also does really care about her daughter even though she doesn't show it in the way that her daughter needs joy and becky talk about it where they're like oh she says you're fat it's because she cares mm-hmm. but it's still not okay to like not just tell your daughter that she's fat and not be like i love you i accept you all these other things but like we can see that like especially we can see it in her face we can see in the way that she like goes and intentionally wants to tell her daughter these things that in her head is
1: a way of like showing affection or like as much affection as she can muster in that moment she she has all these like qualities that sometimes we tend to like like valorize like we tend to be like look at this like martyr who's like surprising so much of herself and is so strong and so hardworking and so resilient but the movie also like flips it and then it's like here are all the ways that she's a real person who has this, like, resentment simmering inside her, right? It's just been building up over the course of years and years and years because she's like, I wonder how Wayman could even, like, survive without me. I'm handling Mm -hmm. all of this. And she's, like, regretful about her past. And she's like, have I wasted my life? And she just sees all this, like, duty piling up and piling up. And she feels bitter about it. She has some, like, arrogance and resentment inside her, too. She's not just this perfect mom who's, like, sacrificing everything to take care of her family, there is darker stuff going on under their surface. And
0: that's also a huge testament to Michelle Yeoh and her performance in this movie because the acting was just amazing. Like in the slow-mo scenes where she starts like realizing all the potential and skills and power that she has, you can see in every shot the awe and surprise at herself, along with obviously the typical immigrant mom tendencies that are all captured perfectly like the I'm too busy today, I can't help you, her her familiarity with her husband and and how she's just like, why are you doing that? You keep installing all these apps on my phone, all of these little things that she's captured so well, like the little annoyances, the little grievances, but also like the the yearning and the excitement about all of the possibilities. It felt very natural. I felt like I know this auntie yeah. <laughs> when I was watching <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, but also like just I, re- I really felt all of her like dreams and desires as well. So big kudos to Michelle Yeoh for bringing out that beautiful narrative. Yeah, she's a genius. And then, of course, Evelyn has all of this going on and she is dealing with all these like things that are big in her life in this day, right? But like she has... IRS, Chinese New Year Party. Her dad's here from China. Like there's like a lot going on. Her her daughter wants to introduce her girlfriend to her aging father. So there's just a lot going on in Evelyn's life. And we see that represented by this bagel. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So the bagel is it's it's this creation of joy slash Jobu Topaki. And I think the way she describes it is that is just taken literally everything in the universe like all of her childhood memories all of the terrible shit going on in the world like every single possible thing and put it all in a bagel and she's like turns out when you do that it actually is just a sort of like black hole right that's like sucking everything in the everything kind of feels
0: like so much information overload and especially in, in the world we live in today where we have access to news from all over the world. And most of the time, we're not hearing about the good things that are happening all over the world. We're hearing about tragedy, like from all over the world, everything, everywhere, you know, <laughs> as it may be. <laughs> and and I, it really hit hard for me because I was just telling, I was just telling Shar before the start of this episode that. The first time I watched this was the first week of May, which is when there was a lot going on in the United States anyway. And especially like it was when the Roe versus Wade decision had been leaked among like so many other horrible things were going on. And I walked in and I watched this movie and I was like, yeah, when everything is happening, it's so overwhelming. And it just feels really meaningless. And it really feels like, you can't really care about anything. Like, how can you care about the IRS auditing you when there is so much tragedy in the world? For example, you have this everything, and then you have the bagel, which is something that you can go into to escape all of it. And that feels like a symbol for apathy and depression, which are very closely tied. And Alpha Wayman tells us about this. He was like, you can feel the shift. Even your coffee tastes wrong because, like, the bagel is taking taking up more power and sucking this all in in some way or another, which I don't know. Like, I, I really feel that. Like, I feel like everyone's a bit sadder these days. It's, like, harder to, like, care about things. It's easier to be apathetic. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Honestly, I know the bagel is supposed to be bad, but... I really get how the bagel is tempting like it's Mm -hmm. I mean some days even if we're not talking about like the national or like global scale some days even just in like a regular person's life things just feel overwhelming and hard and you're just overwhelmed and you're just like why is everything everywhere happening right (laughs) like (laughs) and all at once. (laughs) I really do have days sometimes where I'm like it would be so nice to just take a pause like step out of my life and just enter like a space where i can just not have obligations to other people not have obligations that in many cases i've created for myself or whatever and just like shut my brain off for a little bit like shut mm-hmm. off my feelings shut off like whatever is making me feel whatever things are hard and just like take a break And of course, the thing about the bagel is that it's not temporary. The bagel is a permanent state of, like, apathy and, like, disconnection. But it's really clear that, like, the bagel also offers a sense of, like, silence and peace. And especially for a mom and especially for an immigrant mom who is, like, dealing with all of this, I think it's very clear that just the possibility of, like, one moment of just, like, silence, everybody leaving me alone, nobody asking me for things is I mean it's a fantasy right like it's incredible so it really makes sense like why Joy and Evelyn are so pulled towards this bagel and we see that like especially
0: towards the end of the movie when Jobu is considering like going into the bagel we can really see the strong like symbolism and imagery because it's like a black hole where you like can't come back from and her family has to pull her back and then when there are rocks like it's like a rock jumping off a cliff or like rolling off a cliff so I think it's a very strong metaphor to like depression and mental illness and how it can be like a very irreparable state or like I don't know if irreparable is the right word, but, like... It
1: can feel irreparable, right? Like, it can feel, like, there is no coming back from this. The black hole is the black hole. Once you're in it, you're in it. Right. And
0: I felt like that was such a great way of describing it because without actually going into, like, any graphic imagery or, like, actually invoking any possibly, like, triggering content or anything, it, it really brought that point across of, like, how permanent it can feel, how, like desperate you can be for the nothingness and really showing empathy for people who are feeling that depression and apathy while not like inflicting any blame because we see everything right like we see everything that Jobu is seeing and we're like of course you feel overwhelmed of course you want to escape into the silence and we see that we like also like obviously empathize with Evelyn a lot too right we're like of course like there's a lot going on why wouldn't you want some silence and
1: so I thought that was really beautifully done too. And it was such a good way to like address the topic of like mental health or mental illness among Asian families in particular, again, without being like totally explicit or direct about it, but still conveying Mm -hmm. the feelings and especially those gaps between parents and children and between just like generations in general and that feeling of not being understood, but having all this like pain and like nothingness and not knowing how to express it or like how to name it, right? In a lot of our cultures, like depression or like suicide, like isn't something you even name explicitly, right? It's just like, yeah, it's taboo to that point, but those feelings are still there. And the bagel is just this like amazing multi dimensional metaphor, <laughs> which I really love. So, on one hand, we have the bagel, which is like this apathy and nothingness. And then on the other hand, we have Waymond, who is like <laughs> this amazing foil to the bagel, right? Like, what? How does how does Waymond look in comparison to this, like, black hole?
0: <sighs> Waymond is just this little, like, ray of sunshine. Not little. Huge <laughs> ray of sunshine. Like, we talked about a little bit in the beginning when we introduced the plot and the characters. Evelyn is obviously, like, a lot more harsh and rigid in the way that she sees things and does things. And Waymond, she sees him as very silly and naive and... A lot of the things that he does is trivial or frivolous. For example, we see so many little moments in the beginning and just again in the first 10 minutes, but we see Ellen doing all the things that need to be done versus not slowing down and noticing that Wayman really wants to talk because he's considering divorce. We see Wayman making cookies for the auditor because he knows that that's how you show kindness and the human side of things. And also Wayman noticing like these little moments where he sees an elderly Asian couple kissing in the IRS office and obviously feeling that longing for that, whereas Evelyn is just completely focused and honed in on just like getting to the iris auditor's desk without even like paying attention to any like the little sweet
1: moments around them and there's this like this disconnect right like between mm-hmm. like how evelyn sees Wayman versus what the viewers see of Wayman. because we can see that like from evelyn's perspective she's like if i don't handle all of this we lose our business, we lose our income, we lose our home, we lose everything, right? And so for her, all these things that Wayman is doing are just like ancillary. They're not helpful to her. But ultimately, like these little things that Wayman is doing are incredibly helpful. Like Deirdre, the the tax auditor, gives them another chance because she's like, oh yeah, Wayman brought me cookies. And even at the end, when Deirdre comes to the laundromat and they're going to like seize their property and stuff. And Wayman, he's just Takes a leap and is like, let me explain this like personal situation that's happening with our potential divorce to this IRS auditor. And that connects with Deirdre because she's like, yeah, like I got a divorce and it was really hard. And she's like, okay, you can have another week, right? Like, yeah, these yeah. things that Wayman does do add up and they do make a really big difference, right? Yeah, but Evelyn can't and we see, see that. Yeah, she says it over and over again. She's like, what did my silly
0: husband say to you before, like, Deirdre tells her that, like, he told me that he served you papers and I remember when I went through that. And then we see in one of the other universes that Wayman's philosophy, he says it. It's like, I am, it's strategic to be optimistic and I'm not naive. It may come across like that, but this is how I fight. And you see that in so many ways, right? Because, like, for example, when, like, Alpha Gong Gong, like, points the gun at Joy, and Wayman screams, I think it's time for a family discussion.
1: (laughs) I love that part.
0: Maybe reasonable to a (laughs) fault. But, yeah, we can totally see that that shift happening in Evelyn, where she, like, learns all these lessons from him.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, Wayman just has this ability to see what is good and what is special regardless of what universe he's in right regardless of like what his role is or what his job is or whatever and evelyn is just again like really blind to that when her like main timeline she feels unappreciated she feels like she's not being seen she Mm -hmm. wants to feel special and chosen but waymond is choosing her waymond does see her as special right in every universe and she just she's not able to see that and then what she's learned later in the movie by the end is that like, his philosophy, like you said, is strategic, like it's not naive, it's not weakness. And even though things are hard and overwhelming, there is always something to love. There is always something that you can cherish and something that you can find meaning in. Like, do you do you want to talk a little bit about the hot dog universe?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, this is a hot dog universe is where the humans haven't evolved to have the kind of fingers that we have. We have hot dogs as fingers, which I, one of my friends pointed this out to me between last time and this time that I watched it. And now I'm convinced that the hot dog fingers are sex organs. Yeah. Wow. No. Simply wow. <laughs> <laughs> in this universe, Evelyn there and Deirdre are lovers, and which is also ties in with. Another scene where Deirdre is like, unlovable women like us, like, we make the world go wrong. And then Evelyn has just learned that lesson from Waymond. There is always something to love. And especially because in the other universe, there are lovers. And she also points out that, yeah, even in that universe, we get really good with our feet and we can play (laughs) piano with our feet. There's always a way to find meaning.
1: And the other thing that Evelyn has to learn is that She thinks that Wayman is taking the easy way out, and she thinks that Mm Wayman is, like, not facing up to the hard truth that Evelyn is facing every day. But, you know, that's not actually true. By the end, what she has realized is that Wayman's way is actually really hard. It's actually harder than this, like, closed-off shell that Evelyn has, like, constructed around herself. She has to realize that to show up with like that level of like kindness and empathy and grace when everything in the world around you is like trying to convince you that all of that is useless is like actually the most difficult thing you can do right yeah totally agreed and we see that in the moment where like
0: there's this guy in the laundromat in one of the early scenes who's like kind of being creepy and he's like you smell like my wife like what perfume are you using and she's like really grossed out but then in the end when she's like learning to fight like him she like sprays that perfume in his face and he's so happy to smell his dead wife Mm -hmm. (laughs) a shift in perspective makes all the difference between viewing a situation as creepy versus someone who just misses their late wife and would do anything to get a whiff of that again
1: Honestly, like, this is part of my evolution between the first time I watched the movie and the second time, is the first time I watched the movie, I understood the point that the movie was making and I felt it. It's important to show up with empathy and kindness, but I still also just had this kind of, like, resentment inside of me a little bit of, like, Evelyn does have all this stuff going on in her life, right? Why are we kicking her when she's down? On top of everything else you're dealing with, your entire approach is also wrong, and you need to like be a better person intellectually i knew that's not what the movie was saying but i think i needed time (laughs) to like emotionally process it and so like the second time around i think what i was able to emotionally absorb more is evelyn does need that sense of lightness and openness it is hard for her and we're not like criticizing her necessarily we're just recognizing that it's been hard for her to survive she's done what she had to do and it's very difficult to unlearn all those years of like fighting one way and then to be told there's a whole different way to fight and to be present in the world it's really really hard to unlearn that but that doesn't mean that it's not valuable to go on that journey allowing kindness for others and also for herself is something that she deserves and part of having that hard shell and that jaded view towards
0: life makes you think that it's a weakness to show up with kindness and grace. And that's another thing that she learns from from Waymond. So by learning this lesson, her relationship with Waymond starts to heal and she starts to understand what she's been missing from that and what she she's been neglecting and taking for granted. And With Joy, we mentioned earlier, a lot of that, a lot of the issues in that relationship come from the disapproval she got from her dad and not
1: unlearning that trauma and passing it on. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? It's kind of interesting because we don't really see flashbacks in the movie to Evelyn and Wayman like raising Joy or what Joy's childhood was necessarily. But what we do see is the outcome. What we see is that after all those years... They have ended up with this sort of fractured parent-child relationship. And so we kind of, as viewers, fill in the gaps and like do the guesswork and are like, yeah, I can see how Evelyn being the person she is, Wayman being who he is, have made joy into who she is. And so when she kind of morphs into Jobu Tipaki, it's like she is between all these different possibilities all these universes she feels so overwhelmed and exhausted and she can't find meaning in any of that she doesn't feel rooted in her family or in her relationship with her parents she's just kind of floating she's not connected anywhere and like we said earlier that's actually really tempting sometimes but it makes it really hard to build a relationship with your daughter with your mom when you're in this like disconnected sort of floating nothing matters type of mindset right yeah and then with joy like the fact that she feels all of this is actually maybe ironically ends up being what she wants to connect with her mom about because what we keep saying is that she just wanted someone to see the nothingness with her to feel what she feels and the part that really breaks my heart in the movie is when what joy or jobu ultimately admits is like yeah, I, I chased you through all of this. I tried to find you through all these universes. And secretly what I wanted, what I was hoping for is that you would see something that I didn't see, that you would look at the bagel and the nothingness and like find some meaning in it that I wasn't able to find. Like there is yeah. underneath all of that, there is still that longing for connection with her mom. Yeah. I know. Oh,
0: Yeah, <laughs> that just gave me chills when you said it like that. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, Evelyn really sees how tempting it is. We see that, like, in all the universes, when she really feels like nothing matters, she ruins all the relationships. In, like, Hot Dog universe, she ruins things with her lover, Deirdre. She, in her raccoon universe, pulls the hat off and, like, gets raccoon sent off with animal control and then destroys the laundromat in yet another universe. I thought that was also really beautiful because going back to talking about, like, mental health and especially how it's viewed in like Asian communities or immigrant communities sometimes like we're more similar to our parents than we think and it's just hard to find that connection because we don't have the language to talk about it or the space to talk about it and I thought that moment was really beautiful because one we see like explicitly Jobu longing for that connection like you said and two like Ellen having that connection to her in like both ways right in both the ways that Jobu wants it one to like feel the nothingness like Evelyn feels it like she gets it and then also Evelyn is able to like pull her back out of it because she finds the meaning too and so that is how I see their their relationship starting to repair and starting to heal absolutely
1: like that point of connection and like I definitely cried a lot at that part where I'm like, yeah, this, like, incredibly low moment for both of them is just, like you said, it's, like, the foundation for them to repair their relationship and heal, right? And like you said, also, we we don't realize how similar we are to our parents, and sometimes we don't want to admit it. And then something that's even harder in that relationship is for parents and kids to learn from each other, right? Yeah. And... We see that through her relationship with Joy,
0: Evelyn does learn really valuable lessons and actually ends up healing some of her trauma from her own dad. At the end, we see this entire scene where she's like, I, I don't understand why you let me go, but I won't do that to my daughter. And finally, getting over her dad's constant disapproval by telling Joy or like sharing that what we see as, in quotes, flaws are actually what makes us who we are. And rather than trying to change yourself or push yourself into a certain box or into someone else's approval, you find balance in the way that Evelyn found Waymond and that Becky balances joy. And so that also shows that Evelyn is addressing the root of the issue. She isn't just placating things. She's really understood what has done the damage at the core of Mm -hmm. her being and is trying to heal herself too through that lesson and that comes from like joy's insistence and joy like reaching
1: out and trying to find that connection and side note stephanie shu was really amazing in this role like she and yep. michelle Yeoh just like really really sold the mother-daughter relationship i mean that that was the cause of many of our tears was how authentic oh, yeah. it felt and <laughs> 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 so kudos to them they did an incredible job it felt very true to life
0: yeah just like the amazing the range from like irreverent joe butubaki to angsty sad desperate for love joy and both of those things are like it was so understandable and believable for both of those emotions and both of those feelings to be in a single person because of how beautifully
1: she expressed herself
0: like wow yeah, just I mean, amazing. some
1: days you you really want to be Jobu, destroying universes and like just <laughs> kicking everyone's ass and just feeling like you have power. And the other days you're just like, everything sucks. I am joy. <laughs> I am sad. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't feel like I have any power or agency. So yeah, her her range was amazing. So then the other thing is like like we kind of talked about at the beginning, like. Evelyn is working on repairing these relationships with Waymond, with Joy, but ultimately she can't do any of that without getting sort of back in touch with herself, like without Mm -hmm, getting mm -hmm. through those layers and that shell she's put up around her own heart and her own soul as well. What I really loved about this whole
0: premise is that we really don't see, I think, immigrant moms maybe moms in general, but I think specifically like immigrant moms in this place of having like hopes and dreams and desires, just having her yearning for those things and really wanting that and having regret over these things is, was so amazing to see that portrayed in such a holistic way. And something that I didn't fully digest the first time I watched it was the fact that what made this Ellen and this universe the most powerful or the most able to defeat Jobu Tabaki is that she was the, in quotes, worst because she had not, she had not succeeded or done or lived up to her potential as much as any single other Evelyn in any of the universes. So the the amazing lesson that I learned out of this was that well we often see as failure or lost opportunity or whatever is just room to grow and room for potential and room for being a a better version of yourself and I thought that was amazing and
1: I think like Ellen did too (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's kind of getting over this perspective where she thinks that she has to be like optimized in like every aspect of her life which I think also is very relatable, especially, again, with the information overload and and everything and social media. Every part of ourselves, every possible thing we can, like, optimize has to be optimized and we have to appear a certain way and we have to create, like, a life that fits these, like, narratives that we have in our heads. And so the fact that, like, Evelyn frees herself of that kind of felt like healing in a weird way, I think, to watch as, like, a daughter of an immigrant mom because I think there are so many times when we think about our moms or our dads or our family members like alternate selves like what if they didn't have to make these sacrifices what if their lives had branched in a different direction and you see sometimes when they struggle and you're like what if this wasn't their situation like what if they were able to live without this like there's no way for us to know what that alternate life would have looked like for them or for us but it feels really radical and really hopeful. To see Evelyn kind of embracing this perspective of like, like you said, like it's just opportunity for growth and I'm not a failure. I'm not here to like be disappointment to my dad. I'm just a person who is allowed to like live a life and figure out what I want and it doesn't have to be like the perfect life. And
0: love the practical lessons of age and training when it comes to skills don't really matter. You always have that potential within you and if you set your mind to it and choose to do it, you're going to do it. And also, I really like the small thing about, like, every skill mattering in the universe, like, in the from the universe where she's, like, spitting the pizza side on the, on the corner. That ends up, like, saving her because she's able to, like, fight all of these people with, like, mm-hmm. spinning the shield in the same way. A lot of intentionality and understanding that, like,
1: even though nothing matters, everything matters, kind of, is, like, yes. the lesson yeah. I got from it i completely agree <laughs> at one point when she's like looking at the menu of like skills from other universes it's not just like you're an amazing like martial arts fighter it's also like in this universe you have good self-esteem yeah. right like i liked how hopeful that is again because you can learn that stuff i love the way you put that yeah, nothing matters, but everything matters. Another really
0: important lesson that she learns, especially in the context of her relationships with Joy and Waymond, is that when you ruin relationships, which happens all the time in life, concretely, when she ruins the relationships with like Hot Dog Fingers Deirdre or Harry Shem Jr. <laughs> as Rakukoomi, <laughs> I believe his name was Chad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> When she sent Chad's raccoonie to animal control, when she thinks that nothing matters, she's able to fix every relationship because the lesson there is that nothing is irreparable and there's always room for redemption. And then that's what she does. She fixes it. She, like, pulls
1: Joy back. She, like, fixes her relationship with Wayman. And, like, I love that lesson, too. I really love that. But the movie also doesn't promise that, like, everything's going to stay fixed. The movie isn't like, okay, once you fix it, you have your happily ever after. The movie is definitely, like, you have a choice. Either you can go, like, nothing is in my control, nothing matters. Or you can be like, okay, like, it's not in my control, but that means we can do whatever we want. And you don't have to see feeling insignificant as, like, a bad thing. It can actually be freeing and it can open you up to connection and love and, like, growth. Like, instead of being afraid, you have the choice to be, like, It's inevitable that bad things can happen. It's inevitable that I, as a human being, will screw things up or hurt the people who I care about. But it's also comforting and great because like Jobu says repeatedly, like, we always go back to chaos. Things get messed up. Things balance out. But what Evelyn has to learn is like, they also go in the other direction. It's not static. Nothing is set in stone. That had like a really big impact on me,
0: too. And I think, like, when you see everything, you feel insignificant. But the the lesson there is also, like, balancing possibility with distraction. They talk about, like, how, like, every universe is, in quotes, like, screaming for your attention. Or there's that scene where it's just panning through, like, every single one of her faces in every single universe. And, like, it's mesmerizing. So just from, like, that glimpse into what it must be like to experience all these universes, you can see how it's, like, you can get completely distracted by this. and. I actually like read this in like a productivity book I read a few weeks ago. It's called like 4,000 Weeks. But about how thinking about like how big the universe is and everything is important so that you feel insignificant so that you can be productive. Because sometimes you need to balance that. Just because like the universe is so big and, and you're so insignificant, it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. It's like you said, you have a choice. And like it can be freeing to like know that the context of your choice is in a world where that is still like so large that it's fine like things are still gonna go wrong but you could still do your best
1: yeah I really love that sometimes you you need to feel insignificant right in order to like get out of your own way or like Jobu says we're just small stupid humans <laughs> like that's our whole deal so again nothing matters which is like joyful and great we get to be open to all these experiences and I think especially for people who tend to be anxious and I feel like eldest daughters frequently fall into this category <laughs> because, <Yep. laughs> uh, you know n of two here but from this sample size we really <laughs> we really it's hundred percent it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> but I think like for people who tend to be anxious like you said it's really just kind of freeing to be like you're not at a deficit all the time. Like you're not starting each day with this list of like things you need to do in order to be lovable or to feel worthy or whatever. Like you don't have to feel like everything is riding on your shoulders. Yeah. And I mean specifically
0: for like Evelyn, for example, the world was ending because of like this Chinese New Year's party and the IRS audit and everything. Now that she knows how insignificant everything is, it's fine. She's moving through her day so much more freely, like giving Wayman that kiss in the IRS office and like being a little distracted when she's talking about the audit. And it just lets her move through,
1: move through life like a little bit more gently. It kind of feels like it feels like the antithesis of all the times in my life when I reference the meme about the dog and the mug and the fire and being like, <laughs> this is fine, everything is fine. And like every single time I referenced that meme, obviously it hasn't actually been fine. Like, I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> clearly it's not true. But this kind of feels like the antithesis to that of being like, maybe it actually is fine. I was talking to a friend recently who was telling me about this talk she heard from a Buddhist nun. And this nun was like, every day when you wake up, there are two possibilities. It's either going to be breakfast or death. Like you're going to wake up and you're going to like have your coffee or your oatmeal or your normal routine, whatever you do every morning, or like something like huge and potentially catastrophic is going to happen right or something amazing and you don't know which one it's going to be and sometimes that feels very very scary and you're overwhelmed by the possibilities but you can also flip it around and be like i don't know what's coming and that means that i'm not like beholden to trying to fit my life into a certain narrative like i'm not stuck i have room to grow and change and i don't have to be afraid that i've like messed up a narrative of my life because it's literally impossible to do that i love that i i really would like to spend more of my life (laughs) like embodying this (laughs) it's aspirational as a lot of the stories we cover are every single universe that evelyn saw there was never like a perfect universe like no Mm -hmm. matter what life she was living, no matter which choices she made, she had room to grow in all of them, which is also like super comforting. I don't know about you, but I found that like really, really nice and affirming. It's just
0: hitting me now when you just said it like two seconds ago, but like (laughs) that is really comforting.
1: Like there's no such thing as like a perfect life where you like do everything you can't. Right. So your job isn't to like live a perfect life. Your job is just to like be present in your life and like, try to learn and grow and like also just have fun like enjoy it yeah even if it's
0: just laundry and taxes
1: yeah (laughs) even if it's just laundry and taxes I love Waymond (sighs) me too
0: and so we see like Evelyn healing like all of these individual relationships with Waymond Joy and herself but we also see like this overall pattern of their family healing and like how all these relationships are tied together tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah we we here at the eldest daughter's film (laughs) society (laughs) are very aware that that family relationships are just like deeply deeply complicated and it's i think it's very hard for a movie or a show or whatever to capture all those nuances without making anybody seem like the bad guy yeah. Right? And in, in real life, like, there is no, like, bad guy. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there definitely <laughs> is. But most of the time, it's just people who are doing their best and, like, don't understand others' perspectives. But this, this relationship between Evelyn and her daughter feels very, very specific. Because a lot of the time, especially with immigrant moms and us daughters who are born and raised in the U.S., it feels like you need something from your mom or from your parents that you don't really know how to articulate and at the same time you're very aware that like even if you could articulate it like she doesn't quite know what you need or how to give that to you and then you feel guilty because you're like why am I even asking for more when she's already given me so much and so it's just this like kind of sucky feeling of like limbo and and not wanting to Invalidate her sacrifices, but also feeling like you do need more. And that, I don't know about you, but it, it felt very true to life for me. It, it's like this big snowball of like guilt and like sadness and
0: love, honestly. Like everything stems from that, but it's really hard to communicate because it's a hard
1: situation. And yeah, it hit very close to home for sure. I, I like the way you said that because yeah, it, it all stems from love. Like these conflicts and these feelings of like confusion and guilt and all of that it's really because you love your mom so much and she loves you so much, right? And yeah. like with Evelyn, even when she does not understand anything about the multiverse, even before she understands like the depth of the pain that Jobu slash Joy is experiencing, as soon as she learns that her daughter is in danger, she that's like her singular focus, right? Like all she has right. ever tried to do is protect her daughter and... Obviously, we see her stumble. We see the ways that she doesn't fully understand her daughter. But like Joy says, she says, I know the joy and the pain of having you as my mother. And that line yeah. hit really hard for me, too, because, again, like, that's what a real parent-child relationship is. There, There is never a perfect one, but it's still, like, valuable. Like, there's still worth in living out, like, that imperfect relationship, right? That's such a good point.
0: I don't remember how much of this narrative was in this movie about coming out, but I know a lot of the times when immigrant moms are like anti their their kids coming out, it's like, I want to protect you from the world. I want to protect you from our extended family. And again, it's like that that snowball. Mm-hmm. It's stemming from love. You want to protect your kid, but there's all these other things that play into it. But showing that nuance is really important to understand that it's like coming from like a place of like fear for your child often which is really hard to like accept too obviously you see the other side of that where you can't just be in hiding or like not be who you are but I think like showing that nuance is really challenging to do and do justice to both sides of it and we see that here we see like evelyn really trying to like protect her daughter and
1: it not going well and joy not feeling understood the movie also like refuses to give us like a neat end to that narrative like i think that other less nuanced movies would have said like okay at the end of the movie evelyn tells her father that becky is joy's girlfriend and then that makes Joy feel better and Joy realizes she's accepted and loved and all of that. But when that happens at the end of the movie, that's not Joy's initial reaction. She's like, oh my god, mom, you don't understand. Just let me go. And you can really feel that sense of like being overwhelmed that she has because that part was important to her, but there's so much more in this relationship too. And she she needs time to process yeah. this huge thing that just happened. She's just like, mom, I'm happy that you're figuring your stuff out, but like... I I needed some space to like there's all this complicated stuff happening. It's not that simple in real life. And also Ella not knowing the right thing to say or not having all the
0: answers right away and just at the end being like, you are getting fat as a part of her apology. Like she's still not getting it right because that's not how life works. Like you don't have like one epiphany and then you're like the perfect mom. But at the end, she just says the one thing that she knows, which is true, which is just like coming back to the core thing that connects them, which is just like, I want to be here with you and I'm not letting you go. And that's it. That was also really beautiful because it wasn't like, I love you, which would also feel like cheesy mm-hmm. and not genuine to to the family
1: dynamic that we've seen thus far. I, I really loved that that wouldn't have felt authentic at all to to their family. And I loved that there was that level of like, she says the important thing and she still also expresses these other things that she knows are frustrating to Joy, but she's gonna say them anyway. Like, yeah, she's she's committed to being here and showing up and being present, but she is not going to be perfect, and neither is Joy. And neither is Waymond, also. And that's fine. Everything is yeah. fine. <laughs> and like
0: That's not how healing in real life works. It's not one day you, like, realize what you did wrong and then with a snap of your fingers, it's fixed. You're going to, like, understand. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to go backwards. Healing is never linear. You're going to make some mistakes again. You're going to call her fat a few more times. And then you're going to figure it out and understand why these things are wrong. Eventually, you'll be in a good
1: place. Yeah. And, like, from Joy's perspective, you're going to continue misunderstanding your mom many times, (laughs) right? And then you're going to understand her better. And then you're going to misunderstand her again. And it's just going to keep going like that. And like, once again, either you can look at that back and forth and be like, this sucks. We're always going to be stuck in this cycle. Or you can look at it and be like, there's still meaning and good times here and love here. And I'm going to choose to like cherish that love and like still show up for these relationships, even if they're imperfect. This is a bit of a side note, but... Gong Gong, Evelyn's dad,
0: surprising us at the end by, like, taking Becky's hand and being, like, girlfriend? Maybe not being, like, on cloud nine about it, but accepting it, which is, again, there's always something to love, be open, like, move with optimism and love, and the universe will usually respond, and Mm -hmm. in this case, it did. Evelyn was just, like, open about it with him, and he... Was just like okay let me see what this is i don't know how i feel about it yet i mean that's what i took away from that like two-second mm-hmm. interaction but
1: <laughs> yeah yeah same i also love the part when evelyn is trying to stop jobu from being pulled into her from going into the black hole and gong gong grabs evelyn then Wayman grabs gong gong and it's just this like chain this like very like yeah. physical manifestation of gong gong doesn't fully understand And he doesn't fully agree with Evelyn's choices, but he's going to be there anyway because like Evelyn told him earlier, he's realized that he shouldn't have let her go. He can see now that even though he knows that he loves his daughter, he did not convey that to her. And so he sees an opportunity to help rectify that and he takes it, which is really beautiful.
0: Yeah. And a very literal
1: manifestation of healing generational trauma. And as a side note, like... I think that many parts of the movie, but especially that part, also just reminded me of how loved I am, like, by my family or how loved you are by your family, even though they're clearly very imperfect and even though (laughs) it can be hard sometimes, not just for us, but for everyone. Obviously, all families can be complicated and hard. But sometimes in the midst of, like, everything that we wish were different, we forget the value of... Like, how much it truly means to have people who care about you that deeply. And even if they do it imperfectly, you are so loved. And we don't, like, see that or value that always in the everyday. Yeah. If you really
0: think about our big, extended, messy families, we would have a line out the door of that IRS building holding us out of that black hole. like. Mm
1: Oh, oh! I really love that. <laughs> and then, as Ella's daughters, we would be like, "You're making the line wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't very efficient." <laughs> yeah, like sometimes you feel like you're the one who is showing up in those chains for everyone else in your family. Like you're like, "Here I am pulling everybody else out of the black hole." Do <laughs> <laughs> be feeling like that sometimes. <laughs> but there, there are so many times when. The people you love, not just your family, but also your friends and other people, sometimes even strangers or whoever, are there for you and part of that chain. And it can be really useful to remember that, yeah. that vulnerability. Something else that, that I think really hit hard about these family relationships is the dynamics between like a mom and an eldest daughter as they're both kind of like growing together, especially as we grow up. There are so many changes that happen.
0: I think often it's hard to see, especially I feel like at this stage in our lives, as we're becoming real adults and we're starting to see our parents more as human people with flaws, it's, it's when we're starting to see that our parents can also learn things from us and we can also learn things from our parents as adults. And it can be really frustrating because the relationship is changing and so no one's used to this dynamic yet, but there is so much to be learned in both directions still. What are your thoughts?
1: i I totally agree it's very difficult to to be in like those new dynamics and to feel like it's all uncharted territory and I feel like as eldest daughters often we we're we're sort of trying to learn these lessons about how to take care of ourselves and how to set boundaries and how to engage in real self care not just like bubble bats but how to like, genuinely <laughs> like pursue what we want out of life and like take actual like good care of ourselves (laughs) it can totally include bubble baths but maybe also a little more than that because we're worth more (laughs) yeah I'm gonna tell the Instagram infographic makers that you said this (laughs) they need to hear it Um, but yeah we're we're trying to learn all those things and then it's like we learn something like that and then we're like oh shit my mom never learned that or she didn't have the room to learn that because she has always had to make these sacrifices and to be in these situations to take care of the rest of us yeah so you're in the situation where you're trying to learn and trying to carve out like your own space in your own life but also you're trying to go back and you're, you're trying to like lift as you climb right
0: yeah i love that that's perfect
1: lifting as you climb and it's hard. (laughs) Like it's actually really, really hard. And sometimes it compounds the eldest daughter feeling of I have so many people to take care of, how will I ever take care of all these people in the way that they deserve to be cared for. But then on the flip side, it's also when you do see that your parents are growing along with you, and are capable of change and evolution and are capable of finding their own fulfillment. It's really, really beautiful and rewarding. And unexpected and joyful and great.
0: Yeah, I actually heard someone else on some podcast, I don't remember which one, but someone talking about communities like ours, which are very collectivist, that it's not success unless you bring your community with you. So Mm -hmm. the podcast I was listening to was about underrepresented minorities in tech and about how when you get to a certain level, it doesn't really feel like a success if you're the only one in a room, unless everyone is succeeding and everyone is thriving. It's not really a success if you're the only one. And so I really love
1: that because it feels very similar to that, especially in immigrant communities. You have to lift as you climb. That possibility for, for everyone and the knowledge that you're not the only one who's special and deserving. The people around you also deserve those opportunities to grow and experience new things and like be with you and to support each other.
0: Yeah, and especially like with our families, like the reason we have those opportunities and we have the space to figure this stuff out is because they've sacrificed so much to create that space and these opportunities for us. That's also like, it's always going to be a reciprocal relationship. And I feel like sometimes it can feel like a burden, right? I have to lift up all these people as I climb. I have to bring my community with me. But the upside of like being part of these kinds of cultures and communities is that we also have that entire community pulling us out of the black hole when we need it. And that's the beauty of like community,
1: right? And these collectivist cultures. I like the way you put that because sometimes it really does feel like a burden. I think it's important to be honest about that because, (laughs) I mean, if you're not honest about it, you risk falling into that like martyr perspective, right? Of like, you're just going to make sacrifices your whole life and like be that immigrant mom figure who like takes care of everyone but doesn't take care of herself and I think that it's it's challenging but really important for us to like reshape those narratives and one of the things that I really really love about the movie is kind of what you were saying earlier about the collectivism because the movie is really good at not centering western values and the movie is like unafraid to be like no, you can't go it on your own. You're not exceptional and special and all by yourself. (laughs) Family matters and your community really matters. Yeah. And
0: I feel like in a movie that did center those Western ideals, it would have been all about Evelyn and about her quest to fulfill her longing to become an actress or a singer. And that's it. And like some side plots would have involved her husband and her child. But It's not a success, again, until all these relationships are healed because Evelyn's life isn't just about her. Her life revolves around her relationships with her family. All of her issues come from her dad. (laughs) They affect Wayman and Joy so deeply. And there is no Evelyn without her family and her community. The movie really
1: captures that well. And there's no Wayman without Evelyn and there's no Joy without Evelyn, right? Yes. Yeah, she has to realize that she is valued and she is important just as much as she might sometimes feel like she's a burden or her family's a burden. The movie is also really good at not making it seem like Evelyn or like Asian immigrant mom's ways of communication in general are wrong or like cold or harsh because love exists in so many different forms it's not always going to be expressed in that big like we said earlier i love you and i love you too now our family is going to be super happy and harmonious that's just not how it works and evelyn doesn't say i love you but throughout the whole movie she is just single-mindedly intent on saving her daughter and she's so fierce about it and she's going to all these like great lengths who's you know like Wayman, Alpha Wayman says at one point, he's like, You're pissing off everyone in the multiverse. And and she's just like pursuing all of this to, to save her family. And that again was just really appreciated because there's just different ways to show love.
0: Yeah. It's not even a question how much she is devoted to her daughter. Once she finds finds out Jobu Tobaki is joy, it's just obvious to her that she has to save the universe because. She has to
1: save her joy. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, that, that didn't like quite click for me until I just heard you say it. Because before that, she was so
0: hesitant about it. Remember, she was like, mm-hmm. I'm busy. I'm going to lie down or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, all these other things. <laughs> and then as soon as she finds out who Joba Tobaki is, it's like complete switch. Because what is she going to do? Like leave her daughter? No way.
1: Absolutely. And then I, I love that at the end... She has that moment where she's like, stop calling me Evelyn. I'm your mom. Because like you said earlier, sometimes it feels like a burden to be someone's mom or someone's big sister or someone's whatever. Sometimes it feels like this is just like a duty that I have to fulfill. But part of this evolution for Evelyn is being like, I am your mom. Like my relationship to you and your relationship to me is very important and is a big part of how we define ourselves and I love you and wow, again she doesn't yeah. say out loud but we know but then she's also not like I'm only a mom she has seen all these different possibilities of herself and she's lived all these different all these yeah. different lives and she now sees that she has all this room for growth and Deirdre teaches her to vape outside to <laughs> 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 and she kisses her husband for the first time in who knows how long and there's all these little things that just are signs of like, she's kind of like waking up and being here and she's not constricted or burdened by being Joy's mom. It's just one part of who she is. Yeah, I thought it was even more special that
0: after seeing like all of these possibilities, like she's an actress, she's a singer, she's a Kung Fu fighter, she's Deirdre's lover. She It is still so important to her after seeing all of these million possibilities that she is Joy's mom. I thought that was also special. So- so validating and beautiful to see
1: yeah like she she wants to be there with joy like she no matter what and and that's all she can promise like she can't promise she's going to be the perfect mom but (laughs) clearly yeah (laughs) (laughs) but she can promise that she's going to be there that comes back to movie not being constricted to western sort of conventions about narrative because it's not this like neat ending and this linear narrative it it's kind of just like healing isn't linear, like you said earlier, and sometimes we have repetition, we spread out in time and space, and that's also completely valid. Yeah. When you come from like a bigger community and like a bigger
0: family, like we said, Eleanor's growth and healing, her neat ending doesn't just depend on her. It depends on like all of these other moving parts, because... Her life is rich and filled with people and interesting problems. And and because of that, there's a lot more work to do. But you're going to accept that because
1: that's how life goes. (laughs) Yeah, and you're going to accept it with a sense of there's still fun and excitement and good things here. A lot of this is because of
0: the amazing writing and filmmaking that we see in this movie. There are just so many elements that bring all of these storylines and life
1: lessons to life the the details were just incredible because you see this sort of organized chaos everywhere and it's the cooking in the kitchen and the everyone has like little tasks they're doing and being surrounded by all these objects that are like really familiar but sometimes they can feel Overwhelming, and you could see how you could feel stuck in a place like that. You yeah. can either look around at the laundromat in the house and feel like, oh, this is really familiar and comforting, or you can look around and be like, oh my God, there's all this shit everywhere, and I feel overwhelmed <laughs> by it. <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see these details of the family dynamic being sprinkled in, because again, we don't really have flashbacks. But the characters are always making references to little things here and there, like the karaoke comes up a few times. In the very, very beginning of the movie, in the reflection in the mirror, you see the three of them sing karaoke together. And then... They're at the audit and Deirdre's like, why do you, why are you writing off a karaoke machine? And Wayman's like, my wife's a great singer. And then she is a singer in an alternate universe. And then like, say at something. the party, there's <laughs> karaoke. <laughs> and Deirdre's like, no, that won't be necessary. Like, they just know each other, right? And there's this huge emotional climax at the end. Where Joy and her mom are healing and then Joy's like, well, this is awkward. (laughs) That's exactly what like I or like my siblings would say (laughs) after a big capital C (laughs) conversation with a parent. Yeah.
0: And then the little things about when Evelyn was trying to describe the multiverse to regular Joy and Wayman and talking about Rakakuni and <laughs> Joy and Wayman are just laughing their asses off at her for not knowing what Ratatouille is and very much felt like a classic mom moment. Clearly, I spent so much time with each other and are so familiar.
1: I'm obsessed with the whole Rakakuni thing. <laughs> chef's kiss, perfect. So there's all these little details tying their family together, tying the narrative together. And the visuals in the movie are amazing. Yeah. Can we start with Joe Mutabaki? Like, absolutely. Just everything
0: from the outfits, the pet pig, the hair, the bagel hair, and her makeup was just incredible. I was like, I wish I had somewhere where I could dress like this too, because I want to look like this. Oh, mm-hmm. and in the first scene, turning the police officers or IRS security officers guns into penises like just everything was so (laughs) ridiculous and out (laughs) there and we also before recording the episode looked up what Jobu tobaki" like means and one of the writers talked about how it means nothing which makes sense since nothing matters and it was supposed to in quotes just be an experience and that's kind of how the outfits felt too every single part of her outfits was beautiful but also over the top extra extravagant in a way that doesn't really make sense because why would it make sense because nothing matters to Jobu Tobaki and i just thought the whole representation of her was
1: amazing and just so unexpected and they they did such a good job with like the little visual details too she has a pet pig and on Wayman's fanny pack i think there's this little like charm or patch or something of like a oh, little pig i didn't even notice the And connection. there's just like no I didn't I didn't notice until the second time I watched it either. There's just so many little connections tied in throughout all the universes and, like, all the characters. I just want to rewatch the movie a yeah. like more times because I feel like there's so much that I've missed.
0: And also, like, just her irreverent attitude when Evelyn is trying to multiverse and she's like, nice you peed yourself i'm not like an action movie type of person so i was a little nervous going into the movie because i was like i don't know if i'll be able to follow along and i often get bored in these fight scenes but there was just so much humor baked into the script and all these little details and references and you know there was something for everyone it just
1: made it such a joy to watch so entertaining and captivating the whole way through i'm not a huge action movie person either and the other thing is i'm not a huge like big serious movie Mm -hmm. person if i know that a movie is trying to like teach me some kind of lessons about family dynamics or tragedy i'm probably not (laughs) going to watch the movie (laughs) but this movie never feels it's trying to spoon feed us some big tragedy or life lessons it's just like you said it's a joy to watch the aesthetics and the humor and just the The chaos and the possibility of it are so, so fun. I feel like it's such a pleasure to watch it and to feel moved by it. Yeah, (laughs) and I
0: feel like the visuals of the movie very much capture the the essence of the movie too, which is nothing matters, so let's just have fun with it, but everything matters, so let's also be intentional with it. And so that's really Mm -hmm. there in the visuals, like you, you see in Joe Butuwaki's outfits, and you mentioned the googly eyes and the it being like an actual everything bagel and the guys sticking their things up their butts
1: yeah all the stuff they have to do to verse jump is hilarious and all the circles everywhere i didn't quite notice until the second time i watched it but like even before we learn about the bagel, there's a shot of a bagel on the conference table in the IRS building. Oh, and like, wow. And then Waymond and Evelyn are, like, eating bagels together. I remember that. And there's circular sculptures that we zoom in on. And the googly eyes, like you said, nothing matters, but also everything matters. And the circle is everywhere. And are you going to see the circle as scary or are you going to see it as, like, cool possibilities? <laughs> it's I everywhere. I going to watch it a third time now because, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, like we're, we're gonna do an annual re-visiting. might be a weekly one <laughs> <laughs> what a yeah. Good so
0: I guess our main lessons are nothing matters, but everything matters and and be present with life, show love and affection in all your relationships despite the demands that come up. What a beautiful movie. I've, I've learned so much, I'm learning so much. I'm sure the next time I watch it, I'll learn
1: 10 more life lessons the layers are are really amazing and again i don't i don't necessarily feel i could handle watching this movie every day or even every week because it feels kind of a therapy session when like you have a hard therapy session at the end then it's like oh my god i got all this great catharsis but also i'm crying and i need a lot of time to process this it was great but (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that's what makes the movie so good i I totally agree. I learn so much. I'm learning so much from it. And ultimately, I get such a great sense of hopefulness and joy and just feeling relieved almost like I don't have to feel burdened and stuck and overwhelmed. It's fine. Everything is fine. Nothing matters, which is great. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and <know>? like
1: <laughs> bagels, circles. You know, I, I also feel very hopeful.
0: I, we all have so many Potential, potentials, p- possibilities. I don't know. We all have so much we can do. Mm-hmm. If we want to do it, we can do it. And like, if we don't
1: want to do it, we don't have to do it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're enough regardless. Yeah, just stop. Move with openness and love, and it's gonna be fine. So clearly, this movie has been a real therapeutic vehicle for the <laughs> eldest daughter still <school> society. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> <laughs> we love it and we are really really grateful for this chance to just reflect on it because it, it really does mean a lot to the both of us it's super fun maybe has made us better people i think has i think i can definitively say it actually is helping us be more fulfilled yeah. and more nourished it's a process healing isn't linear <laughs> it's better. yeah healing isn't linear change isn't linear <laughs> But thank you for joining us on this non-linear, circular,
0: (laughs) bagel-shaped
1: episode. We really appreciate you being part of this with us. And we will see you next time on the Eldest Daughters Film Society.